You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to show you how to attract the people you actually want to work with and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week you can expect legit marketing tips, biz building strategies, and expert advice that'll help you ditch the grind and feel more aligned so you can captivate and convert your audience. If you're ready to grow your business without the struggle, you're in the right place. Today's episode was a fun one to record because I got to interview my husband. Although I guess it technically wasn't really an interview because I had no script, no notes, no bullet points, totally unlike me to just wing it. But it really was just a conversation about how we navigate being an entrepreneurial couple. Now, as you'll hear in the show, Steve and I each have our own businesses. And honestly, the things we do couldn't be more different. But We are both involved in each other's businesses in the sense that we always discuss things that are going on and, you know, we always make big decisions together. And from time to time, we've both worked from home together. And, you know, although it's maybe not particularly unusual in the online world for both people in a relationship to own their own businesses or even work together in the same business, it's something that people who know us in real life are always curious about and ask us about pretty often. So I thought it would be fun just to have him on and kind of give a peek into how we both came to work for ourselves and the ups and downs of being self-employed for the last, I don't know, 15 plus years. And, you know, some of the things we've learned along the way, because although we've both been pretty successful, we've honestly made a lot of mistakes too. And I really think it's important to kind of share the lessons learned from those things as well. And I just want to apologize if the sound quality isn't fabulous. I didn't know how to record, you know, being in the same space. So we're talking, we're literally sitting next to each other recording using the same mic, the same earbuds and the same computer. So hopefully it's good, but I know you're just going to love the conversation. Steve Sigelski, the man, the myth, the legend. You're on my podcast. And it's very fortunate for me. Do you even listen to my podcast? Yeah, I've listened to lots of it. Okay, like what? Tell me. What? What's your favorite episode? They're all pretty good. What's your favorite? What what topic really resonated with you, honey? I better check my note. Uh, you don't listen. Okay, well, you'll listen to this one, I bet, because you're on it. So I just thought it would be fun to have a conversation about both, I don't even know what to title this, like being an entrepreneurial couple. Okay. We don't do, our businesses are completely different. You don't even really understand what I do. I kind of understand what you do, sort of, until you start talking like engineering stuff with me and then I, my eyes glaze over. But you have a, you have a space now, so you're not working from home nearly as much, but we did kind of go through you know, a period of time where we were both working from home. And that was kind of interesting to navigate that. And I know there's a lot of couples out there that actually work together on the same business, sometimes different businesses. So I just thought it would be kind of fun to have a conversation about that and like how it all kind of came together and how you can maybe make it work some tips for making it work. Because, you know, we have it all figured out over here at the Sigelski household. So as I mentioned, we kind of do very different things. So your businesses are manufacturing and what kind of, you, you don't have to go into it too much because nobody here is going to really understand, but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe just give a little bit of background of like how you, 
started what your first business venture was. First business venture? Yeah. Besides the margarita mix? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> besides the margarita mix. Because I did, I have talked a little bit about that on the okay. podcast, actually. That but. was a little after my first start, startup business. Yeah. Water treatment business? Yeah, the water treatment business. Okay. guess there's been a lot of businesses. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at it. Well, so I started the water treatment business in uh, 2009 after... Three and a half years in Ohio, we came back to New Hampshire and rather than working for another company, I decided to go out on my own and basically do the same type of work I'd been doing for seven years for another company years before that and slowly continued to build the the new business and been been building a little bit every year. So, And then just last year, you bought another business. Right. Which is a little different. Right. In May, bought a, another business, which is manufacturing of silicone components. Very exciting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Hey, but it's it's all good. But so this was the first business was to, was it 2008 or nine? End of 2008. Yeah. And kind of before that, you were in a business with some people that didn't, it didn't work out. That's why that's what brought us to Ohio. Right. So I'm curious, we probably have talked about this before, although I don't really remember like what the outcome of the conversation was. We've had a lot of conversations over the last, what, 27 years, but did you grow up thinking you were going to have your own business or, you know, is that something that you just sort of figured out along the way that you wanted to do? Because I know for me, I never, like that was never something I grew up thinking, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, it was like I was going to be an author or a therapist or something, mm-hmm. work for somebody else. I'm not sure I was new, but it certainly was something that I thought it might be a good thing to do once I had enough experience to do it. So I guess to some degree, I've been thinking about it for a while. So maybe it kind of evolved like after you got your first couple jobs. Yeah. Your first couple jobs were kind of snoozer. Like I couldn't see you doing that for the, for the long haul, <laughs> right, probably. Right. Interesting, but but short. N- not great prospects for long term. Yeah, not great potential for growth, kind of thing. Right. And you had you had more. You had more ideas, more things. So I kind of mentioned the Ohio gig, and we don't have to really go into that too much. But that was really the first kind of the first experience that we had as a couple that you're going to go and do this thing and, and start a business, you know, with these two people that already had an established business. I didn't really know them too well, but you, you knew them through one of your previous jobs. I know for me, like it was pretty scary because you had this like quote unquote safe job. I mean, everybody, a lot of times people think working for another company is, that's the safe route, right? They're right. gonna they're gonna have a job forever, and there's gonna be loyalty and all of that, which you know we know is not always the case. But this was like the first time you were gonna jump into something, and we didn't really know what was gonna happen, and we were moving our family halfway across the country. And but I remember I remember feeling like the thing that made it easier for me to kind of get my head around it and be okay with it was because these two guys that you were partnering up with had an established business and you were literally going to get like a a regular paycheck kind of thing. Right. Even though, you know, it really was, I mean, you were still starting a business basically, but that was kind of the first, the first iteration of that. And then we won't go into details, but that whole thing didn't work out. We were there for what, 
four years. Business went great. Partnership, not so much. Yeah, not so great. But yeah, I think four years we were there, right? Four, almost. Almost four years. And then you were starting this water treatment business. And that was like, to me, way scarier because you were starting out and like you were literally responsible for our family's income, like all of it. <laughs> and we had to move, we had to move back to New Hampshire. Yeah. We didn't sell our house in Ohio. Like it was a lot to, to wrap your head around. Like a lot was going to happen. And I remember just feeling like so scared. Yeah. But I mean, of course I had faith in you cause I knew you knew what you were doing and you had expertise Absolutely. in this business. But so what was that kind of looking at those two experiences? What was your feeling about it? one versus the other or were you were you nervous at all like did one make you more nervous than the other like how how were you, how was your mind sort of going into those two experiences well i think it was a progression because first when we were getting ready to leave ohio i was looking at other jobs right and the other jobs were good jobs but still jobs and most couple of them were doing exactly what i did before ohio for other companies one was from the old company I used to work for. And really, I knew I could do that job. And most of what I needed to do for that type of work wasn't tied to a parent company. It was tied to the relationships with the customers. And so I knew I had that part down. So then I filled in the blanks with the, the rest of this type of business. And of course, having three and a half, four years in Ohio in this very small startup was helpful know to learn a few things along the way but really it was knowing that a certain key group of customers would start and after i probed the market they they agreed that they would start working with me in a new venture a new um, company so that was helpful to ease the the doubt in the startup process yeah you i i think that was kind of the thing that got me over the the worry about it was that I had to kind of imagine like the worst case scenario, right? And of right. course, the worst case scenario is we're going to lose our house. We're go we're going to be poor. We're not going to have any money. But then, you know, it's like kind of going through the motions of all of that or what could possibly happen. It was like, well, no, because, you know, you had an education, you had a, like viable skills, there were jobs out there, and I could go to work. Like it, it wasn't like I had this doomsday scenario, but really I just had to sort of like think of Play the word case scenario wasn't really that bad, you know? Right. But also then I had a backup plan. I, I did the work to get my Marine engineer's license. <gasps> I back. forgot about that. So that way, if the, the new venture was slow to start or just wasn't taking off, I could just go to sea for a few months, make enough money to get by for the year and then go back to the water treatment world and so that was, it was good. It was important to have a backup plan, I think, or, you know, something you might do in, in, in a time of trouble to earn money. Yeah. Very smart. I think looking back, that's like a crazy time because we, we had to move. We moved back to New Hampshire. We hadn't sold our house. You were basically kind of doing two things. You're starting this business and you were, you know, you had to go back the, like what the union a few weeks route. weeks in training. Yes, a few weeks in training. And I was going back to school. Like all my back to I school. was going back to school in the fall to start my, to finish my bachelor's degree. Like how the hell did we do all that? We had two kids. Our kids were yep. nine and 12, I think, something like mm, that. Probably. God, we probably drank a lot of coffee <laughs> and didn't sleep much. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> but so now with this new business that you bought in May or June, whenever it was, that I feel like it kind of looking back, there's sort of we we like stepped it up every time. And this time you you spent money, like you invested money into right. buying a business. I can't imagine way back in 2005 when you were first going to, you know, start this business in Ohio, if you would have said to me, I'm going to take our life savings mm-hmm. and I'm going to invest it into this business that I think is really has great potential. Right. I would have been like, you're high. Yeah. This isn't going <laughs> to, no, <laughs> this is too, this is too scary. So it's sort of like progressed. I think maybe because we're, we're just sort of in that life now, like where owning a business is the way it is. Like that's, that's kind of how that's what we do. So it's maybe not as scary anymore. I don't know. Maybe it had to progress that way. Right. So obviously, you know, what we do is very different. I, you know, my, all of my clients are online and, you know, I write for a living. I work on the interwebs, so to speak. And so you don't really kind of, you're not in that space. A lot of the language I use, even Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't really get. (laughs) It's been what, three and a half years now, I guess, since I started doing that. And so what, what was kind of the, like, your thoughts around that? Like when I started and was there any concern of like, oh, now we're both going to be doing this and I don't know, is it going to work? Can we both be business owners kind of thing? No, I think, I think it just, it was a sensible thing because something you're interested in and there's, you know, a lot of people involved in that world, you know, making their livings and, you know, why, why not you, especially if it's involving writing, which was something you've always been great at. So why not just do more of that? Yeah. I think you had to sort of accept that it was legit. Like you had to, I don't even know if you did research or whatever, but it was basically like, you just wanted to know that it was a real thing. Yeah. You know, you got to prove out the model. Like what, what is it that you do that, you know, or planning to do that is an income generating prospect. Yeah. And it really, like you, you mentioned the the margarita mix business. So that all of the stuff that I sort of did there was actually great basic training mm-hmm. for this because I wrote all the copy for the website, all the marketing materials, built up the social media channels. I didn't really know that that was what copywriting was or right. marketing. You know, I just that's what I was interested in. I right. was interested in the creative stuff behind it. Right. And that was your favorite part of the business. And I was handling, you know, production and distribution and yeah. stuff I could get my mind around. But that's crazy. It's, it feels like it was so long ago, doesn't it? Yeah. So with both of us kind of doing these different things, well, for a while, we were both working from home. And we, I, w- I would have to say we are not the best partners of making sure that we each get what we're supposed to get done when we're working together. (laughs) That was probably our biggest challenge, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So we would, you know, work together, especially, well, you were on the road, like what, maybe three days a week or something. So you'd be home like Mondays and sometimes Fridays. And, you know, it got pretty easy to be like, oh, why don't we go to breakfast? And why don't we go to lunch? And so that I think that was like the hardest part of both of us working from home, even though we were doing different things. We're, we're pretty we're pretty good at sabotaging each other's <laughs> progress. <laughs> it's probably a little fun. Do the work plan. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that was tricky. And then, oh my God, when we had the kitchen renovation <laughs> and we were both working from home, that was so hard. We had, we literally had our dining room. Well, our, I mean, it's not, a, we don't have a formal dining room here. We just have a big kitchen. So we have a big, long kitchen table. And that was in our living room along with our refrigerator. And of course, like all the living room furniture and it was eight, like eight or nine weeks, yeah. I think. And it was really like they, they demoed the kitchen and, and for, all the whole main floor. Yeah. The whole main the floor. Floors. And so we were without a kitchen for literally nine weeks and both trying to work from home. I remember spending a lot of time at Starbucks mm. during that time. <laughs> spending on the road a lot. Like yeah. Work for my car. Yeah. But that, that was tough. Like at any time there's, there's stuff going on at home and your, your kind of daily life is interrupted is always a tricky, you know, a tricky situation. And, and now of course we can't go to Starbucks to right. get away when there's something going on. So that's hard. So, well, now you have an office space. So do you find that that's easier for you in some ways or uh, harder in some ways? I wouldn't say it's gotten a lot easier yet, but it's still early. So I go there, but then I wind up just doing other stuff a lot of the times so that needs to get done for the business that maybe isn't what I had planned to do before I went there. But, you know, you get kind of sucked into the what has to get done or what should get done physically there. And so actually I get more done once everybody leaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and you're probably spending a lot of time talking to the guys sure. that are working with you. And yeah. I mean, it's all good stuff, but yeah. it's like it's yeah. kind of. I'm sure there's distraction too. Yeah. Like there's some productive conversation, right. but there's probably also distraction. Kind of like me not having doors on my office. Mm -hmm. That's like my biggest complaint about working from home is right. not, the, <laughs> not having doors. Like recording this podcast, I have the, well, we had to put the dogs in the crate because they were making noise. They were snorting all behind us and I'm doing laundry. So hopefully that can be edited out or I don't even know if it, if it can be heard through the recording, but it's, it's real life, I guess. That's what it is. Yep. So what would you say is if you had any, I don't know, anything that you've learned with both of us kind of working for ourselves or, you know, having your wife, you know, be an entrepreneur too, what have you learned or what's some advice that you could have to offer to somebody who's thinking like, you know, maybe their spouse wants to go into business or start a business, start a side hustle. Do you have any, any words of wisdom? Well, that's a tough one. <laughs> a little broad, but I think, you know, what comes to mind is to just keep at it. Don't give up and just keep keep after what you're aiming to do. And some days will feel completely like a waste of time and then just do it again tomorrow. And eventually the things line up enough to get something out of it and get something. Done. Yeah. Consistency, right? Right. Consistency is is the key, as they say, it's boring, but true. Yeah. What, what about, cause I'm sure there, there are some people out there who, you know, maybe they want to start a business. They have this idea, but maybe their husband or wife isn't sure. They're not maybe super supportive or they're scared because they've never done that before. Or, or if the husband or wife is, is an entrepreneur and they, they're like, I'm not sure we can, we can both do this. You know, what, what's kind of the thing that you think you sort of have to like wrap your mind around to be okay with it? I think probably that these days, really, there's no loyalty at a job. They they use you as long as they need you and then, then you're gone. So, uh, so if you have your own customer base of 10 or 20 or 30 customers, eventually as a small business owner, entrepreneur, 
you know, they're not all going to fire you at once. So yeah. even if you lose two or three in a bad year, you can work hard to make them back up and maybe you've lost 10 or 20% of your income, but not a hundred. So I think it's actually safer to be in charge of your own destiny that way, instead of relying on all of your uh, income coming from one hopefully benevolent employer. Definitely. Yeah. I think things are definitely changing in that way. And it's not kind of what it used to be like when our parents were working for companies and, you know, people would stay 20, 30, 40 years and get a great pension and all that stuff. It's just a different world now. Yeah. Do you want to do Christy questions? Um, <laughs> oh, do you want to, do you want to tell, do you, do you remember how this started? Do you want to tell the story of how this started? How the Christy question started? Not for the podcast, but do you, do you not remember? Oh my God. I swear to God, people, do you, do you not remember how this started? You've asked questions to our friends. <laughs> They were awkward. But yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it was it was Matt and Jolene that started oh, yeah. it. So we have these friends that have been our good friends for I don't even know what 15, 20 years, something yeah. like that. And a fun fact, they actually moved out to Ohio a year after we did because Steve hired our friend Matt to oh, for to help out with that the business that didn't ultimately work out for Steve. But so we've known these guys for a long time and we would always get together. Our kids grew up together. We would play games pretty much every weekend. We'd have like some kind of get together every weekend. And I don't know. I just, I got sick of like all the, I don't know, surfacey, boring conversation. I'm not much for a small talk. And so I just started, you know, asking these I don't know, somewhat inappropriate questions sometimes, maybe things, I mean, they were good friends of ours, so it wasn't so bad, but, you know, just kind of the stuff that you really want to know or things that make you think, you know, thought provoking questions. And so my friend Jolene started calling, she, every time I'd start to ask or bring up the conversation, she'd be like, oh, here comes the Christie question. So it, it just kind of became a thing. And I thought it would be really fun to bring that to the podcast. And so you, you guys know, if you listen every week that that's kind of how I end the show. And it's been really fun. It's actually the thing that I get the most comments on. People seem to like it. But a couple weeks ago, I think I started prepping you for this and like was asking you things because I know your memory is not awesome. <laughs> so I'll, let's see if you remember, but we'll kind of do like rapid fire Christy questions and I'll just ask you things. You'll see. It's like, how well do you know your wife edition? All right. All right. No, you have no, just remember that I am... I have editing power over this, oh, so okay. I can make you look really bad. <laughs> can, I, can I phone a friend? I won't. Uh, no, <laughs> you can't phone a friend. Okay. Since we're, we're recording this literally the day after Christmas, I, I think it's going to air sometime in January. So a little weird topic, but what is my favorite Christmas movie? It's not good with the names of the movies, but <laughs> the one with Scrooge. Yes. A Christmas Carol. <laughs> I used to make us go to that play every right. year until COVID. Favorite Peanuts character? Lucy. Yes. That's obvious. Obviously. First celebrity crush? Simon LeBond, right? LeBond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what else? What else? What else? What was our first concert? My, my first concert ever, but our first yeah. concert together. Madonna. What, do you remember the tour? Mm. <laughs> it was the Blonde Ambition tour. What was my first trip out of the country? Your first trip, Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when? Two thousand six. Five. Yeah, two thousand six. Uh, when we went with the kids. Oh my god! So funny story with that trip. 
this is our first trip out of the country together as a family. My first trip out of the country ever. You you had been out of the country, uh, right? It's been a year at sea. Well, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How could I forget that? Yeah, you saw lots of countries, lots and lots. But so I, you know, I'm planning this trip for our family. And I was planning it for the week of Thanksgiving, or so I thought, because, you know, the kids had three days off, they only needed to miss two days of school. I booked all the flights, booked the hotel, was all excited. And then I think it was literally like a week before we were supposed to go. I realized that I actually booked the wrong week (laughs) and we, (laughs) and we were going the week after Thanksgiving and the kids had to miss an entire week of school and Steve had to take extra time off from work. It was like, yeah, it was a big, it was a big, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Cause we wouldn't have been able to afford to go probably during Thanksgiving week. All right. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you be with that. I won't, I won't put the pressure on too much. I can't think of any other questions either. So sweet. Oh no. Okay. What's your, what's your favorite thing about me? Your favorite thing about me. Yes. You get very excited about things, which is always fun. (laughs) Sometimes you scream and hop around. (laughs) (laughs) that's funny probably yeah i probably don't do that in front of too many people what what drives you nuts about me what's your what's your biggest pet peeve about me it's okay i won't i won't you could be like a light switch on and off (laughs) two minutes later not (laughs) yeah manifesting generator folks that's me (laughs) well thanks for being on the podcast honey this was fun Hey, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to leave hustle mode behind and grow their businesses with ease. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this episode on your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelski so I can repost you. If you want to take the guesswork out of what to say in your emails and how to say it in a way that resonates with the people you actually want to work with, you need to grab my brand new freebie. Now, you've probably heard me say this at least a hundred times, but connection is what leads to conversions and making your subscribers feel seen and heard is the key to making that connection and building the relationship. So I put together a sweet little guide for you that breaks down my connect captivate and convert framework, which teaches you how to become biz besties with your subscribers and gives you the goods on converting them to clients organically. Now, because I know the next logical question is probably what should I write about in my emails? There's a bonus section with a list of newsletter ideas that's going to give you swipeable email content for months. This is honestly the most value-packed freebie I've ever created, and I really can't wait for you to get your hands on it. So if you're ready to write emails that sell without all the bro marketing mayhem, go grab the free guide, How to Write Emails That Sell, plus 20 must-read newsletter ideas at the link in the show notes.